Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Hey, great to see you. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Samuel, and Beck and I have the absolute honor of serving here at Life West. It is a ton of fun. And this week, we're continuing a series that we're calling A New Normal. You know, in Romans, it says this. In Romans 12, verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That we're going we're gonna to live different. And so we're calling it a new, a new normal, not, not living the same as all of those around us. If we look to the world around us as Christians, if we look to them for feedback and for any, anything really to, to tell us that we're doing it right or wrong, okay, tell me that this is okay. If we look for that from the world, we're, we're, we are going to get messed up and we're going to be lost. The Bible says that we're not to be conformed to that pattern that it's going to be a little different, that we have a new normal, that when we step into things of God and we say, okay, God, I want it your way, that we do, we find a new normal. And last week, well, actually, it was two weeks ago because we had Dan last week and that was wonderful, but two weeks ago, we really talked about stewardship. We said stewardship, that, that stuff, we don't own it, we steward it. It's not, well, this is mine, I do what I want with it. It's, 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 it's all God's, and he, he lets me use it. So how am I going to use it, and what can I do to make a difference? And we passed out some envelopes and some money. We started getting some of those videos in from you guys really praying about what God asked you to do with some of this money and then doing it. And, and I'm excited to begin to share some of those, and that's, that, that's awesome. I love it. It's, 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 it's supposed to be our normal, though. That's not supposed to be a special thing, and I really hope that that's what that becomes for you, that it's not this one and done, but that you decide, okay, God, I want this to be normal. I want to do this type of thing all the time, all the time. And in any and every area of our life, if we look at what the world says, we're going to get messed up, whether it's success or health or joy or, or, or parenting or love or marriage, doesn't matter what it is, it, we get to do it a little bit different. We don't follow the same pattern as the world. And one of the patterns that I think Jesus most definitely, definitely broke has to do with kids. The Bible says that Jesus is there and that parents were bringing their children to Jesus. That parents were bringing their children to Jesus for him to bless them. And the disciples saw this and they're like, oh no, got to run some intervention here. And so they're like, okay, here's what we're going to do. And, and they went, and before the parents could even get them to Jesus, they went and they stopped them. They stopped them from getting to Jesus. And Jesus sees this, and this is what happens. Mark 10, verse 14. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples, and he said to them, let the children come to me, don't stop them, for the, children, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these. I love that. That he's like, okay, don't stop these guys. Don't stop them. And verse 16, and he took the children in his arms and he placed them in his, hand, his hands on their heads and he blessed them. Jesus saw kids as important. He's like, this is important. I'm here, the kingdom of heaven. You got to become like them. No, no, you let them come to me. In a society that was like, okay, they're not, not until they can be helpful and they can do something in agriculturalness until they can pull their own weight. No, Jesus is like, no, you let them come to me. Jesus saw children as important. Let me just say this. Jesus saw kids' problems as important. And I think it can be so easy 
to, from our view, to look at kids' problems and be like, really? It's just a balloon. Like, that's all it is. It's gone. I'm sorry. I cannot get it. It's gone. It's just a balloon. Let me just say to you, it's just your wallet. Right? It's just your purse. But we can do that from our view because we realize. We realize, like, it, it is. It's just a balloon. Like, come on. But Jesus was like, okay, kids are important. How important? Matthew 18, verse 5. Jesus is talking, and this is in red, and he says this, and anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. So we're in here right now, but kids are just right next door. And God says this when it comes to kids. He says, you, you welcome them. He says, you're welcoming me. So the teachers and the, and the people that are out there and the helpers that are working with the kids right now, it's not just time away so that you can be in here. They're being ministered to, and God says what they're doing for those kids, God says they're doing for me. God sees kids as important, that what they do is important, that they are important to him. And he really stresses this in Matthew 18, verse 6. He says, but if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it would be better. It would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. I think he really like hit that one pretty hard. He's like, don't mess with the kids. He's like, don't do it. He turned what was normal a little bit upside down. He goes on in verse 10, Matthew 18, verse 10, he says, beware that you don't look down on one of these little ones. He says, for I tell you that their angels are always in the presence of my Father in heaven. He's like, don't look down on kids. Don't look down at their problems. Don't look down on their situations. Don't look down on them. And let me just say, there is no junior Holy Spirit. They get filled with the Spirit. They give their hearts to God. There's just as much rejoicing for them as there is for you. I dare say, if not more. Because they get a life of not one day I gave my heart to God when I was old and I've got some regrets, but I'm going to live for him now. No, instead they get a, a life of stories of God's faithfulness over and over. And instead of being like, well, you know, there's a guy I was talking to and, and he's, he's up, in, up in Cadillac and he said he, he really got involved with the church up there and they were doing a, some, some stuff and some building and they were raising some money for some stuff. And he said, God just laid on my heart to, to give to, to the church as much as I had wasted on drugs and booze. And I was like, okay, how much is that? And he's like, I calculated it all out. And he's like, I was about $250,000. Kids, hopefully, they don't get that story. They don't get that I wasted, but they've got stories of God's faithfulness. God takes kids so seriously. He's like, don't even look, do not look down at one of these so often I think that some of the most important ministry that's happening here at Life West is happening over there with those kids. God's spirit is moving in there. We pray for it all the time. We're like, God, just, just catch them now. And so we're going to spend some time talking about kids this morning. Talking about parenting, yes, but also if you're a grandpa, if you're a grandma, if you're an aunt, if you're an uncle. If you're like, I want to get involved in kids, then this is for you. God values kids. And he doesn't just say, well, to the parents that, no, no, no. He says, anybody, don't, don't look down on kids. 
So really, don't, don't check out just because you say, well, my kids are, are grown and gone, or I don't have any, or this isn't, that isn't my thing. Please don't check out. Catch God's heart for kids. Catch God's heart for kids, because here's the deal. The goal with kids, what, what, what is the goal? Is it, is it to see some kids, you know, graduate high school, go to college? Is it to raise a, a well-rounded, well-behaved, polite person? Is, 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 is that it? Is it to get them out of the house? Is it to be like, well, they didn't kill me, I didn't kill them, and they didn't kill themselves? Like, it's all good. Like, is, it, is that the goal? Like, we did it. We made it. Is, is that the goal? I think we should start with what the goal is, and this is this. 3 John 1.9 says this, I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. The number one goal is this. It's, it's not a professional athlete, president, CEO, this, that, big money maker, and take care of me when I'm old. No, none of that. It's, it's none of that. I love what it says in, in Mark. It says, what good does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? It's, it's to raise godly children, to raise children. So we're going to look at a few things that we can do whether we're parents or not, but specifically talking to a lot of parents today about raising kids, about speaking into kids' lives, about having a platform and even having that ability to talk to kids, to influence the children that are in our lives, aunts, uncles, grandmas, grandmas, wherever you are. And number one, let me just say this, prioritize kids. Jesus prioritized kids. He's like, you let them come. People said it wasn't important. He's like, no, you bring them in here. Prioritize kids. Now, I understand that sometimes we prioritize our family. We prioritize our children by working that nine to five. It's like, well, this is, this is how I have to do it. And I'm not, when I say prioritize kids, I'm not saying make your world revolve around them. You do that and their head will be big enough. It might. I mean, it, that, that's not what I'm talking about. You're not giving them everything they need whenever they want it and however they want it. And they say something and you just drop everything. No, but it's letting them know that they're important. They are important. I remember as a little kid, um, my dad was a pastor, and when we would drive in the car, he would listen to tapes of preaching. Um, I remember one time I heard him listen to a song in the car. One time. And it was horrible. <laughs> like, oh, I'm so glad you don't do this more often. It was just, it was just awful. And that one time was a band like a group that was going to come and sing at our church. And so he, he, he played it, and then he was right back to these, these, these tapes and these cassettes. And in our garage growing up, I remember just stacks. You could probably fill this entire stage with the tapes that he listened to. Because he'd just buy these tapes and we'd, we'd listen to them and it was preaching and it was books and it was, it was John Maxwell and his uh, uh, Joy and, and Joy Club that he used to have years ago before. I mean, just, just all kinds of stuff. So he would listen to these. So we'd be riding in the car and he's listening to those. But you want to know what I remember? I remember that any time, if I actually had something that I wanted to talk to him about, he'd pause it. And I remember, I was thinking about this this week, I remember sitting in the, in the seat and just sitting there thinking, being like, I got to think of something to talk to my dad about, because he'll pause this. And just being like, okay, um, and I'd be like, hey, dad, uh, what about, and I would just come, with, just, just coming up with random things, and he'd pause it, and then he'd answer my little question. And then he'd be like, is that it? I'd be like, yep. 
he hit play again. And I'd be like, okay, got to think of something else. <laughs> got to think of something else. That didn't take very long. He answered that question. I loved it, but I was prioritized, and I remember that. And let me just say this. Our kids know. Our kids know when we think that they're just annoying, when we think that they're just an issue, when they come to us with an issue and we're just like, ugh. They know when we're prioritizing them. They know when what we think, we think that what they're going through is important, what their issues are, that they absolutely know it. I remember I was going through the grocery store one time, and, and this kid is being just naughty. Anybody see a naughty kid in the grocery store, and you're like, oh my goodness. I just want to watch. I'm sorry. I see those, and I'm like, I'm following you through the grocery store. This is hilarious. Their kid, oh, it, it, it happens. So you just, you just, I just want to watch. And I remember I'm, I'm, I'm watching this one, and finally, Finally, this, this dad looks over and he's like, cut it out. You cut it out right now. I swear, I will kill you and make another one just like you. Cut it out. And you're just like, oh, my goodness. You're like, oh, come on. Now, I don't think he meant it in the slightest. But it was just this, this dad just at the end of it like, hey, no more of this. Like, no. But there is, we need to prioritize our kids to realize they're not just problems. And it's easy to see them that way. They make messes. They don't clean their messes back up. They cost money. You buy them shoes. They grow out of the shoes. You buy them brand new shoes. They lose the brand new shoe the first day. You're like, where is it? I've only got one, and it's gone. And it's always the left. And you're like, really? Like, where is it? What's going on? And it, it can be that way. But let me just say this. Children are, and we talked about this two weeks ago, about how we steward what God's given us. And children are, my kids are God's, and I'm stewarding them. But really, they're God's. They're not mine. And they're going to stand before God. And they're going to stand, and God's going to ask them what they did with what he gave them. I don't stand before God for them. Even though I'm their parent, that, that, that's not, that, that is not it. And, and so we get to steward, but we take care, value the time you have with them. Let me just say this. If you as a parent, if you have an aunt and uncle, whatever it is, if you ignore them now when you don't think their problems are important, you won't get the opportunity to speak into their real problems when they do have them. You will miss it. Prioritize your kids. I remember after college, I moved back. And I was actually living with my folks at the time. I took an internship at, at Res Life, and I was living at home, wasn't sure exactly what I was going to do next. And, and so I was working at the church that my dad pastored. And Brian, was, when we were in college, he was like, when we get out, let's buy motorcycles. And I'm like, yeah, let's totally do that. Well, he shows up one day. He's like, look, I bought the motorcycle. Now it's your turn. And I'm like, mm, I don't know about that. And he goes, well, take it for a ride. And so I took it for a ride, and I go, I'm buying one. Like, this is, this is fun. This is great. So I'm at work, and I just, I had seen a motorcycle for sale on the side of the road. And so I drove by, I was like, this is really cool. So I call the number, I'm like, hey, can I come see it? And he's like, yeah. Well, I call the number, and I'm like, well, you know what? I wonder what my dad thinks about me doing this. So his office was just down the hall, so I walked down the hall. And his, his, his secretary was kind of out front, and so you kind of walk in, and she was like a little gatekeeper, like you can't get in. And so I walk in, and I'm going to knock on the door, and she's like, what are you doing? And I go, I'm going to go see Dad. And she's like, he's busy right now. And I go, oh, okay. 
So I just go back and I go look at that motorcycle. Well, I like it. <laughs> um, and I think I have a picture of it. Do you have the picture in, in, in the garage? So I like this thing and I buy it. That is the garage on Cottonwood that I bought it in. <laughs> I'm like, there it is. I'm like, I will take it. So over lunch, I buy this thing and I'm like, this is great. And so I drive it back to church. I think I got one more picture. No? Oh, yeah. Curly hair. Yes, I did have a lot, and it was, it was fun. But there we go. So this is the motorcycle. So I buy it, and about, about 30, maybe 45 minutes after I get back from lunch, my dad stops by my office. He's like, hey, I heard you wanted to see me. And I was like, yeah, I figured it out. And he goes, what? And I go, oh, I was just, I just, I go, nothing. And he's like, no, what, what, what did you need? And I'm like, well, I was thinking about buying a motorcycle. And he just looks at me and he just goes, what? And I go, I bought it. Do you want to see it? And he's like, he just looks at me and he goes, no, and do not bring it home. And he just walks away. And I was like, well, that just got awkward fast. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Uh... Eventually, I did bring it home. But anyways, <laughs> but I remember about a week later, I walked over and I don't remember what it was, but I walked back into my dad's office. The same secretary sitting there, and I walked in, and his door was closed, and I walked in, and I was going to go see him. I was like, hey, can I go see him? And she just looks up. She goes, he's busy, but if you need to see him, if it's something important, you can definitely interrupt him. <laughs> a motorcycle isn't that big of a deal, but if we choose to prioritize our kids, we, we don't want to miss there are certain things that if we miss them, they're gone. Opportunities to speak into their lives that if we miss, we can't go back and get it back. And so let me just encourage you, prioritize. Give them time. Put the phone down, put the thing down, whatever it is. And better to give them 15 seconds of undivided attention than two minutes of, uh-huh, yeah, oh yeah, just a minute. Put that thing down, look at them and say, what can I do for you? What is it that you need? Can I, can I pray with you about it? What is it? Prioritize your kids. And here's the next one I want to talk about. And here's the next thing. And that's this. It's build godly habits into the kids in your lives. Build it into their, ha into their lives. Build godly habits in their lives. Now, I know this one can be a little bit like some people are like, well, I don't know. Like, I don't want to to make my kids read the Bible because I don't want it to be a chore. I don't want to make them to go to church. I want them to go to church, and I want them to do fun things. And, I, and you know, I want them to want this, and I completely understand that. But here's what I'm going to say. 1 Samuel chapter 3. We're going to go to the Bible on this one. 1 Samuel chapter 3. Now, Samuel was an answer to prayer, and his mom gave him to the Lord and literally brought him to the temple and gave him, Eli the priest raised him from a young age. Don't bring your kids here. We're not going to raise them. Pick them up when we're done. Okay, please, please go get them. But, so this is Samuel. He's a young, a young boy who's ministering and who's working at the church, so to speak. He's working at the temple under the priest Eli. And it says this. It says, oh yeah, that was perfect. Right back, if we can put that back up there. It says, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. So he's ministering under Eli. 
So he's, 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 he's ministering before the Lord. That's kind of important. Verse 7, let's go to verse 7. It says this about him. It says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So here's Samuel. Samuel's ministering before the Lord. The Bible says that God called out to Samuel. He didn't know it was God. So he goes over and says to Eli, did you call me? Eli sends him back and says, no, I didn't. And then the Bible says this, and this is so important, that Samuel did not know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. This is verse 7. Noah, can we go back to the previous verse? This is verse 7. The previous one is chapter 3, verse 1. What comes first is this. Follow this. Catch this. He ministered before the Lord, verse 1. Verse 7, he did not know the Lord yet. The word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. He ministered to the Lord under Eli. He did not have a personal relationship with God yet, but he was obeying and he was obedient to Eli, and the Bible said he was ministering before the Lord, that he was doing the right things, even though he did not yet understand and connect the dots between them. He didn't understand them, but he was still ministering before the Lord. I want my kids to have godly habits that's already, it's just built in. We make them brush their teeth because they need to. Like, just do it. It's a habit. You need to be doing it twice a day. Just just do it. Showering, you've got to do that too. It's just a habit you need to get into. Like, do it. And sometimes they don't like it. Bo, yesterday, my five-year-old, he was tired, and he did not want to take a shower. Well, first he didn't want to take a bath, and then he didn't want to take a shower, and he, would, he didn't know what he wanted, so I'm like, you're taking a shower. And I put him in the shower, and he screamed. He screamed like I was killing him. No, no, no! And I'm like, is it too hot? It's not. And I mean, the water just touches him, and the white tub turns brown. He's covered in dirt. He's, I'm like, you need this. You are going to shot. You're going to get clean. And he is screaming, ah, you're killing me. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. No, no, no. And I'm like, it's water. Like, you're just fine. And I love showers. So I'm like, what's wrong with you? Like, I could live in a shower. Like, oh. Like, I, I love, love. He doesn't. He does not at all. But I'm like, I'm going to make you do this. But understand this. As a parent, my kids, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have godly habits. Now, there comes a point where every single child is going to have to choose for themselves. And they might choose something different. I cannot control that. I like what it says in Isaiah about this. In Isaiah 7, verse 15. It's a prophecy, but it also addresses this, this age thing. And it says, by the time the child is old enough to choose what is right and reject what is wrong, And it's setting a stage and talking about Jesus and what he's going to do, but it says something super important, which is by the time he's old enough, by the time he's old enough to choose what is right and to reject wrong. And that's how we talk about kids are not saved, but they're safe because there is a point where they have to be able to make that decision to choose right and reject wrong. So before my kids, and I I can't tell you what that age is because I don't know. God knows the heart, but before my kids are going to make that decision for themselves, I want them to have godly habits, things that they would have to literally break away from because it's just, they're used to doing it. So we pray together. We go to church. We're in small group. They're in small group. They go to church. We pray when things go wrong. We read the Bible. We read the Bible as a family. We memorize scripture 
We're going to, and we we talk about it, and we talk about the things of God, and when we make decisions, we talk about the scriptures and the reasons why we're making those decisions so that our kids are like, yep, this is what we're going to do, and we talk about how they can use their gifts and talents to build the kingdom of God and and, and outreaches that they can go on, and we we teach them how to tithe, and we're like, we we tithe, and we give, and and this is why we do it, And, and with the first four, that was really easy, and then there's Bo, and he's five, and he's like, my money, I don't want to. No. <laughs> and I'm like, you want God's blessing on it? No, I want that. He's like, I just, I just want it. But we're like, nope, this is what we're going to do. We're going to build this in there. And it's going to be different with each one, but we're going to have godly habits in there. But I love what it said about Samuel, that he ministered before the Lord before he had that personal relationship. And I believe our kids can do that exact same thing that they can read, that they can pray. The Bible says that their angels are before the Lord. They have access to God too. They have access to God. God hears their prayers. Sometimes we think that they don't. I guarantee he does. God says, don't even look down at them for their angels come before me daily. It's something that we need to remember And remember that more is caught than taught. Let me just say that. As we're talking about really, as we're talking about leading children and and the influences that we can have on their lives, let me say this, more is caught than taught. I've heard it said that the fastest way to raise a rebellious child is to say you stand for the things of God and then at home live a different way. More is caught than is taught. And you need to practice what it is you preach. You can pull the wool over so many other people's eyes, but you can't your kids. They see it. They know it. They know exactly what's going on. So often we think that they don't know. They know. We think, oh, you know, they don't. Yep. Yes. Yes, they do. They completely know. Be an example. The number one way your kids are going to learn is through what they see you do. It's going to be what they see you do and the people that you allow in their lives, the way that they act, the aunts and the uncles that you let in and the people that you let in, the way that they act, it's going to make a difference. It is a huge, huge difference. I think it was the, was it the Jebusites that said, give us a child until the age five and we will give you the man. They're like, if we, can, if we can have them till then, we can, we've got them. And take that time when they're young. Take that time to be that example. And if you say something, tell, tell your kids, you know, I did it wrong. If you get it wrong, you're like, you know, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. Oops. You lose it in traffic and you do something you shouldn't and you're like, see, I need forgiveness too. <laughs> I should not have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have waved that, whatever it is. We're like, you know, this isn't right. Show them. Show them. Don't just show up at church and then be like, okay, I did it. Now it's done. If you want your kids to have a relationship with God, you can't come to church and then just walk away and live like you don't know God the rest of the week and then come back to church. They're going to have to see it in you, or they're going to look and they'll be like, no, it's not a relationship. It's just a box that they checked. They went to church once a week, and that was it. Or they went to church every other week, and that was it. It's what's important, and, 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 and prioritize what it is that God is doing. I like what it says here in Exodus. 
and talking about the children of Israel, an entire nation that, that had been following God ever since they were led out of Egypt by Moses, miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle had happened. And they see it. And they get to the promised land, but they don't trust God, so they go out into the desert. And they spend 40 years wandering the desert, and God miraculously supplies food for them. Water comes out of rocks. Uh, God, they go out and they pick manna, bread from heaven, they literally called it, that came down. They got tired of that, and they're like, we want meat. And so God brings quail, and there's quail all over the place. And, and, and they see all of this. But this is what it says in Exodus 4, verse 24, talking about the Israelites after they came in to the promised land. Moses had died. He never entered the promised land. Joshua was their leader. And it says this, Exodus 4, 24, on the way to Egypt at the place where Moses and his family had, oh, this is a different one. Oh, huh. I got way into something else. So we're going to back up a minute. I want to talk, just, yeah, this, isn't, this one I don't want to skip over. I don't want to skip over this one. And I did. So, all right, here we go. So practice what you preach. And how important is it to practice what you preach? Exodus 4, 24 says this. On the way to Egypt, at the place where Moses and his family had stopped for the night, the Lord confronted him and was about to kill him. God was about to kill Moses. Now, let me just give a little bit of the backstory here and exactly what had happened. God appeared to Moses in a burning bush in the desert, told him, I want you to go and to bring my people, free my people out of Egypt. Moses says, yes, I'll do it. God makes a covenant with Moses and sends Moses to go do it. He's on the way to go do it. On the way to Egypt, God had just sent him there. At the place where Moses and his family, his family's with him, stopped for the night, the Lord confronted him and was about to kill him. And you're like, bipolar God? Like, what is this? Like, what's going on? You just sent him, and now you're about to kill him. Verse 25, but Moses' wife, Zipporah, took a flint knife, circumcised her son. She touched his feet with a foreskin and said, now you are a bridegroom of blood to me. The Bible says that after that, the Lord left him alone. Anybody lost? Anybody read that before? I'm like, I'm skipping that verse. Just like, keep going. I don't know. What is going on here? Let me tell you what's going on here. What's going on here is Moses is about to stand up as a representative of the covenant of God in front of the Israelites and tell them, this is what we're all supposed to do. And one of those things where they would then need to circumcise their males, be like, hey, we're going to get back in a covenant with God, but yet he had not done it in his own home. And God's like, you can't lead my people if you won't lead your own home. If you won't do it here, you're not leading my people. You know. To the point that God was going to come and kill him. He takes it seriously. The practicing what we preach, we need to make sure that we're doing it. That what they see makes sense. That they see us, that we declare the things of God, that we fall short because we all do. The Bible says, though, a righteous man falls seven times, he gets back up again. That we get back up and we're like, I made a mistake. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. We handled our finances wrong. We didn't know the things that we should have done. And so this is the mess we're in, but we're doing it God's way now and we're digging our way back out. And this is what it means. That we bring them in and we're like, we did this wrong. Maybe it's a complete 180 in your house and we're like, okay, this is going to be completely different than what you're used to, but here's what it is. We're going to begin to honor God in this home. 
the way that we talk to your mom. We're not talking that way anymore. I'm not, and you're not, and I won't put up with it from you anymore, and here's why. And we go to the God's word, and we, we, we make that difference. We say, we're going to do it that we're not living one thing outside and pretending and then coming back home. They see it every day on social media. They see it all over the place. Don't let them see that in your home. That you stand up and you say, no, I stand for the things of God when it's easy, and I stand for the things of God when it's hard. And let me just tell you, that's when it means the absolute most, is when it's hard. And you're like, yup, this is going to cost us, but we're going to do it because we honor God in all that we do. But dad, it doesn't make sense. You're absolutely right. On paper, it doesn't. But when you bring God into it, I'd rather go through life with God's blessing than without it, and I'll do anything to live in it. And I'm going to. And we live that out in front of them day by day. And we surround them with people that are doing the same thing that aren't two-faced, that don't have, well, I'm at church or I'm with this group and now I'm with this group of people so I act completely different and now I'm with this group of people so now I put on this face and act this way. No. We're like, I'm honoring God everywhere I go. Make it a priority because the children that we have, as much as you and I love them, who loves them even more? God does. I tell it to my kids all the time. I'm like, who loves you more than mom and dad? Who? And they're like, God. And I'm like, who's the only one that loves you? Over and over I tell them. And let me just say, as much as you do, as much as I love our kids, as much as you love your nephews and nieces and your, and, and your grandkids and you look at them and as much as you do anything for them, God loves them more. And he already did everything for us so that we could have that relationship with him. Kids are a treasure. Enjoy your time with them. Choose to see them as that. Enjoy it and invest in them. It's the greatest return you'll get. Invest in them, prioritize them. But let me just say this. God is our heavenly father. And to him, we are his kids. And he wants a relationship with each one of us. And he looked down from heaven and he saw what was in the way. They said they'll never be able to fix that on their own. He wasn't sitting with lightning bolts mad and upset. He said, no, they can't get back to me, so I will do whatever it takes to make a way. So he sent his son to die so we could have a relationship with him, to pay the price we couldn't pay, to, to bridge the gap, to break down the barrier, to remove the wall. He knows everything you've ever done wrong, everything you've ever done right, the bad thoughts, the things that nobody else knows, the things that you think if anybody else knew, God knows. And he still loves you and wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship. Not just a, he wants to see you, no, not just a, okay, one day in heaven. He wants a relationship with you now. He wants to be a part of your life. Not something that we do on Sundays but somebody that we walk with day in and day out. And if you're here and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I'd love the opportunity of praying with you. You can receive that forgiveness. Say, God, I want you. And like a loving father, he opens up his arms and is like, come here. And he loves us like only, only God can the perfect love that casts out fear we don't have anything to be afraid of.
before we go, if that's you, I'd love the honor of praying with you this morning. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, just move in this place right now. And so if you're here this morning and you say, you know, I need, I, I want to make my, my life right with God. I want to know where I stand. I want to run into his arms. I want to be forgiven and set free. I want to leave here knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt where I stand with him. If that's you, I'd love to pray with you. We can pray right in your seat, but here's what I'm going to ask you to do right now. Lift your hand and say, that's me. Today is my day. Lift it up right now and say, that's me. I want to leave you knowing right where I stand with God and begin to walk out a relationship with him. All right, God, we just thank you this morning for everybody that's here. God, we thank you for the kids that are out there and all the kids that everybody in here, the God, that we interact with and those that we have time with. God, help us to see them as you see them, as treasures, as opportunities to make an investment, God, into the, their future, into the lives that they will touch. God, help us to connect, to see the value that you see, to meet them where they are, and to point them to you in all that we do. Because we're so... We fall so often, and we thank you that you forgive us. But God, as we try to be examples to the kids that see us and that we have relationship with, help us to always point to you, to always point to your forgiveness, to always point to how you love, your love, that when we get it wrong, God, that we would be humble, that we would show them how, to, how easy it is to ask for forgiveness. Help us to be examples. God, for those of us who are here and like, well, we've just screwed up so much. God, I thank you for just that clean start with you. Give us the words to say as we speak to our families and, and the children that are in our lives as we speak about where we're going and the things of God and how we want to honor you. God, we just ask you to lead and guide each and every one of our steps. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.